This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains and Happy New Year! You're listening to episode 253 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Wednesday, January 6th, 2016, and available for download or streaming on Monday, January 11th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Elijah. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, everybody. Captains, before we get started, I've got to apologize to two members of the Priority One podcast team that I failed to recognize in our end-of-year blooper episode. L, who is our managing editor for the blogs, has been part of the Priority One podcast team for the last several years and does a fabulous job managing our bloggers. And Jerry Tillman, who, although hasn't been given much work this last year, worked tirelessly on video editing for our live on-site interviews. Thank you both for your dedication. So, what's coming up this episode, Kenna? Well, this week we trek out the start of the 50th anniversary celebrations with commemorative U.S. postage stamps. Woohoo! Yay! And the Roddenberry Estate runs some data recovery on old-fashioned floppy disks. And the fan film Axanar gets some heat from CBS and Paramount. In Star Trek Online news, we're making our predictions for the forthcoming year. And on screen, Cookie and Elijah get up close and personal with some Ferengi in the TNG episode, The Last Outpost. And speaking of Ferengi, Jake rings in the new year with some Star Trek products you might want to add to your collection in his segment, The Promenade. Not to say that Jake is a Ferengi, it's just uh, Ferengi merchants. Jake is reviewing products. Uh, The segue made better sense in my head. Of course, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. We're fans of Trek just like you, so join in the discussion by leaving us comments on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, or on our Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast. You can even follow us on Twitter at PriorityOnePod, and of course, you could leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. Just click the widget on our homepage. And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us to continually improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Speaking of Patreon, this week in Priority One After Hours, we awaken the force within each of us and share our opinions of Star Wars The Force Awakens. Except for me, because I was vaccinated against midichlorians as a kid. This unscripted, uncensored, and unedited recording is available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. Here's a snippet of what you can expect. Even in Star Wars, for the love of all that is the Force, he reused not only elements from the original, right? Obviously, he not only, but he reused entire scenes from even Star Trek. That is Why a not? classic trope. Mm-hmm. Because we've like seen it, one, it they one. use it in everything. Somebody's getting chased down a hallway and they close it at the last minute and, and they close it on somebody's arm. So midichlorians, that's real. And the Jedi and the Jedi Council and the Jedi and so this is this is the type of plot hole that I, that I had a problem with and I, I even I, I I don't even remember why I brought this up. Uh, why were we talking about this? Um, He's looking at his notes. <laughs> oh God! You can hear the pages. Star Wars 
four five six one two three it's uh keeping up with the skywalkers it has always <laughs> it has always been about one family's journey to f up the galaxy because that's the first thing I thought when they saw when 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 I saw them dropping her off. But how she, how could she say Luke Skywalker is a myth and and have been because she's Luke been, no, no, because no, no, at the no, age no, of five no, no, she, was, about she to, watched no, no. all of her oh, friends get murdered. No, she's I'm about had to post traumatic stress. No, I'm about to crush your theory. Now let's check out the latest news in the Star Trek universe. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Up until December 25th, 2015, CBS and Paramount, the owners of the Star Trek IP, intellectual property, turned a blind eye to fan productions like Axanar. For those of you that may be unaware with what Axanar is, the currently in-production film titled Axanar is, as stated by their FAQ, quote, an independent project that uses the intellectual property of CBS under the provision that Axanar is totally non-commercial, end quote. So Axanar is a full-length film set 21 years before the original series episode where no man has gone before. It tells the tale of the Four Years' War against the Klingons and the legendary Federation captain Garth of Izar, who helped win the war. We've interviewed its creator, Alec Peters, many times over the last few years, have supported and have watched the production grow. In 2014, Alec released Prelude to Axanar, a short film in documentary format, demonstrating the production value viewers could come to expect. If you haven't already watched it, it's free on YouTube. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. And it's freaking amazing. Anywho, the unspoken rule for fan-made productions like Axanar has been, as long as you don't sell your production or turn a profit from its creation, CBS, Paramount will leave you alone. Again, this was, at best, an unspoken understanding. Unlike the Star Wars franchise, there's no website with guidelines, rules, explanations, expectations for creators to follow when creating fan content. So when The Hollywood Reporter broke the news that Axanar had been served with a lawsuit claiming copyright infringement and financial damages, the hundreds and thousands of fans that donated over $1 million via Kickstarter and Indiegogo were stunned. Now, no one on Priority One Podcast is an IP lawyer. However, however, you don't really have to be one to understand the gist of the suit filed. Links to the actual lawsuit will be in the show notes. CBS, Paramount, are exercising their rights as guardians of the Star Trek franchise under copyright law to try to stop Axanar from producing a film that relies heavily on assets that they did not get express written permission to use. Of the 20 or so pages... Only one line accuses Axanar of using the assets for financial profit, which was the unspoken no-no we talked about earlier. The rest of the suit is focused on assets used without permission. They go on to list Klingons, Vulcans, characters, designs, etc., etc. Now, the community has been quite vocal about this. The news even made it to sites like CNN. Generally, those in favor of seeing Axanar shut down are in the minority. Now, that's not to say that the majority find the suit to be without legal merit. As a matter of fact, I haven't read anyone suggesting that CBS Paramount has no legal footing. What hashtag I stand with Axanar supporters are questioning is, why now? And why Axanar? Unfortunately, we aren't privy to the rationale of CBS or Paramount, nor do we know why they started or are singling out Axanar. However, one can guess, and the general consensus is, that Axanar was targeted for having raised over a million dollars, is extremely popular among fans, and there is doubt over how the money has been used. Ultimately, though, the lawsuit could be duplicated, with the defendant's name changed from Axanar to a production like, say, Renegades, or Continues, or Star Trek of Gods and Men. And that is the concern. From the reaction I've read on blogs, comments, social media, the, the question isn't why, it's why now? And will they go after others? More importantly, at its core, the anger towards CBS or Paramount is how they've mishandled, no, mistreated the IP over the last several years. 
Teams like Axonar, much like other fan productions, are creative fans filling a void and telling stories that other fans are eager to see come to life. Some examples are Star Trek of Gods and Men, Star Trek Continues, Star Trek The New Voyager, Star Trek Phase 2. More importantly, for me personally, the issue isn't about whether or not CBS Paramount are within their legal rights to stop Axonar. Yeah, sure they are. My issue is that CBS and Paramount are a PR nightmare when handling the Star Trek IP. In a month's time, they managed to alienate Star Trek fans twice. First, with a Fast and the Furious-style trailer for their third film, a trailer which even the actors and its director tried to damage control and ultimately were apologetic about, and then again with suddenly targeting Axanar, a fan film that is way more anticipated by the fans than Star Trek Beyond or the 2017 series. Look, even if, and again, a big if, because nobody at Priority One Podcast knows the inner workings of Aerie Studios, but even if Aerie Studios is turning a profit from producing Axanar, CBS and Paramount have mishandled the Star Trek IP far more egregiously over the last several years. The way I see it, they're not protecting Star Trek. They're protecting their stakeholders. They're producing blockbuster films that are arguably entertaining, but they don't stand the test of time. The reintroduction of Star Trek has not been a, a Wrath of Khan or a Battlestar Galactica or, or even, dare I say, a Star Wars. They're just action summer blockbusters that get shelved and offer little to no rewatchability. I'm a big fan of Axanar, and I really want to see this produced. So, as Elijah, hashtag... I stand with Axanar. Now, I agree with you on one very key point of this, which is the fact that a lot of the new Star Trek content that's coming out that's fan-produced, it is, it's providing us really good Star Trek content that we want to see in, in a time period where a lot of fans feel as though CBS and Paramount are not delivering the goods. And... I think in order to keep the fandom going, we kind of need a little bit of that. And I'm worried that CBS and Paramount may have maybe missed the point of everything that's going on. They need to give us a little bit of reassurance that they're not just trying to squash the fandom. And that's something that we, we kind of just have to wait for. Because like you said, we don't know exactly what the rationale is behind this lawsuit and the chances are we're not going to hear anything about it because it's part of an ongoing lawsuit but I, I think that a lot of fans could be assuaged a little bit with just some reassurances that it's not fandom that they're attacking that it's a particular case yeah you're right they really do this is like i said it's it's a their prs pr person's worst nightmare i mean n nobody Nobody in legal decided to talk to somebody in PR and say, hey, uh, guys, we're going to do this. What do you think? Should, should, oh, wait. Um, let's, let's figure out how we're going to approach this. The timing isn't great. Just in the same way that the trailer happened. You know, they pushed out. First of all, the trailer was leaked. And then they just, you know, dropped it later, later on, a few hours later to try to just kind of damage control a little bit. And then their own team, their own people who worked on the film are going, yeah, sorry guys, that trailer sucked, but we had nothing to do with it. We had nothing to do with it. I mean, it's just, a, that's PR's worst. I, I can't imagine. I really can't imagine. Somebody has to be at their office banging their head on their desk because they just, the, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And again, no, we don't know why they targeted Axanar. We really don't, right? You can speculate all you want. You know, the, the, the thing about Alec Peters is that he's pretty transparent with how he's spending the money. He just released the annual report for Axanar, and you can see pretty much line item for line item where the money is going, right? Because a million dollars is a lot of money, and he knows that somebody's going to hold him accountable to that. So you're gonna, you see line item for line item of where that money is going, and, and you know, sure, it might raise some questions here or there, but... The, the, the scary thing about the lawsuit, for me at least, and I'm not even a lawyer, is that you really could change the defendant's name from Axanar and Alec Peters and Party to Renegades or Continues or anybody else, anybody else for that matter, because they're not targeting, they're not talking about money. That's, that's not their focus in the lawsuit. Their focus in the lawsuit are, are fictional assets used 
from the Star Trek story, from the Star Trek universe. They, in, in really great detail, they go into, they talk about Klingons and they give a description about Klingons and Vulcans and, 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 um, uh, one of the Vulcan characters that they reuse. I mean, you know, this could very well apply to other fan films who do it even, who have Star Trek in their title. Star Trek of Gods and Men, Star Trek continues, Star Trek Phase 2, Star Trek The New Voyages. Axanar removed all of that. You, yeah, it's still in the Star Trek universe, but it's not Star Trek Axanar. The even the um, um, the com badges on the on the uniform on the Starfleet uniforms are different. It's not Kirk. It's not Spock. It's Garth of Izar. I mean, Star Trek Continues is the original crew. So that's the fe- that's my fear is that this is you know they 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 they're starting with Axanar and then they're gonna you know keep moving down right. Continues is in production. Renegades is in production. Are they going to stop them too? Well, no, it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the uh, arguments that I've seen in certain corners of the internet is actually doing a kind of victim-blaming thing on Axanar at the minute and some of the team members there. Um, and there's some very vocal people who basically are trying to turn it on their heads and say that Axanar deserves it. I personally don't trust rumors. I don't know any of the details, so I stay out of it. But I think there are quite a few people who are taking exactly what you said, we, as in it could be used for anybody, and trying to turn it around and victim blame Axanar to give a reason for why they've been singled out, basically out of fear. And I think that, I think we all, like, everybody just needs to calm down a little bit. None of us are privy to what's going on. And hopefully everybody can stay civil because there are parts of the internet that are getting very riled up about this. But, yeah, some people are really going after Alec Peters and other members and insinuating all sorts of things. And I would like those people to cool it because it's not, it's not cool. Jumping on that bandwagon, it's, it's victim-blaming. I mean, okay, I'm not saying that XNR are victims because the, the truth is we don't know either way. And actually, to a certain amount, it's none of our business. It is my business because I donated money to them, but I do have a little bit of faith in the justice system that I'll be, I don't know, served properly with that. Or else, who actually cares? <laughs> well, I gave him a tenner. If you, if you spend about $1,000, I could see that you would have a big stake in what's going on, but... The big thing is the why, like Elijah said earlier. You know, why now all of a sudden? Well, that's where I think that CBS and Paramount could do um, on a PR side is to have somebody come out and say, we're going to provide a framework. We know there's confusion out there, but we support fan productions and we're now going to give you a, a framework of something that you can work within because we want to support. They need to come out and say positively, we support fan productions. We want you to keep producing and we appreciate the work that you do because until they do that, Everybody and their brother is going to be going, we're afraid to produce anything because we're afraid we're going to get slapped with a lawsuit. And that's really stifling because it's the the fan productions really for the last 10 years where there's been a dearth of any, you know, what some of us hardcore fans consider to be core Trek material going on, that it's kept that universe alive. And I... I don't know. I'm ranting. I'm sorry. But it is. And we, we want to keep it going. And for them to say, no, we're going to shut you down because that's not how we think it should be. We're going to take you off in another direction. And we're only going to do JJ verse from now on. And nobody's allowed to do anything different. I, I think we'll just it will just cut. It will just cut everything off and it won't be the same. It, it's going to cut everything off. It's going to alienate the you know purists and people who uh, want to get involved in in the Star Trek universe in some way, shape, or form and make it their own. I mean, uh, you know, arguably one of the most alluring things of Star Trek Online is the UGC, right? Is be the Foundry and being able to create your own content. To to go back a second and, and you know you you start talking about the, the so much negative reaction coming from this and people blaming Axanar for this. It, it, it's got. It, you're right. It has gotten a little dirty, and I'm surprised at how dirty it's gotten. Because you know, I found uh, there was a, a tweet that I saw uh, share from David Mack, who's who's a uh, novelist who's written some Star Trek novels, and he and he wrote on his Twitter, 
Fans who think CBS sued Star Trek Axanar because, quote, it's jealous and afraid, end quote, end quote, are the same ones who believe their bullies secretly envied them. Poor form. Poor form. First of all, uh, bullying is actually kind of a big deal for me. And to suggest that I might have deserved it, to suggest that anybody might have deserved something like that, or that it was really us and not them, is a, just a poor example. Like, that's just a poor analogy. Then also on 1701 News, the lead editor there, you know, wrote this whole long thing about, you know, of course CBS and Paramount are within their right. That's not the question. That's not the question whether or not CBS and Paramount are within their legal right. Sure they are. The problem is that this lawsuit outlines something that, out, I'm sorry, this lawsuit outlines copyright infringement and less about money, right? It's less about, there's only one line on that entire lawsuit about money. And this could potentially set a precedent for other fan films and threaten them. Um, and for those people who are kind of going after Axanar and using these horrible analogies like this, I mean, just seriously, poor form, calm down. This is Star Trek. All right, that's not what it's supposed to be like. But in a wrap, you can, of course, join the Axanar uh, Facebook group. Alec Peters is actually pretty vocal about everything and is pretty transparent about most of his dealings. Uh, so if you want to follow Axanar, just head over to Facebook.com, run a search for Axanar Facebook group. You should be able to join. Or you can visit their website at www.axanarproductions.com. And like I said, Elijah hashtag stands with Axanar. Well, in some lighter news, in a press release dated the 4th of January, a company called DriveSavers, the self-proclaimed industry leader in data recovery, revealed that they've been able to recover data from nearly 200 floppy disks belonging to the late Gene Roddenberry. The disks were discovered by his estate several years after his death in 1991 and eventually sent to DriveSavers for recovery. Now, these were no ordinary three-and-a-half-inch floppies. They were specially formatted to be used on Roddenberry's custom-built computers running special word processing software. And by the time they were discovered, none of the machines remained that could actually read the data. DriveSavers have been working for over five years to develop the software necessary to properly recover the data, and it took a further year just to read the data from such a large number of disks. The company's director of engineering, Mike Cobb, was suitably enigmatic about the contents of the disks, saying, quote, 2016 just happens to be the 50th anniversary of the original Star Trek. Anything could happen. The world will have to wait and see, end quote. This, uh, this is definitely fun news for nerdy types like and IT types like myself. Um, I think it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's super interesting. First of all, the, 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 the hoops that they had to jump through to get the data off of it because it was also it was saved in a format that was well dead right this was a, a the, the formatting type on the on the floppy drives has not been used since the 80s um so it wasn't like they could just plug in a floppy and read it on any old windows machine yeah. they had to recover it and decrypt it right right and they it, it was it, it a really interesting uh read encourage you to check it out especially if you're an it type we'll see what came from it maybe you know the like you said roddenberry estate has been hush hush and of course as drive savers is under some sort of agreement of course and they certainly want future business so they're not going to say what they found but hopefully there'll be some gems that we learn about sometime during this 50th anniversary well, we know there's going to be a lot of really cool content of stuff that they're going to be releasing in some formats i mean they've already um they've already published publicized it quite widely so i'm sure it will be part of that whole program and one last little announcement captains 2016 is going to see some awesome star trek stamps oh Woo-hoo! yeah <laughs> forever stamps too oh yeah Forever, which in the UK <laughs> it's just is what stamps. Nice. <laughs> so the stamps are designed by a company called the Head of State, and they are inspired by elements of the iconic Star Trek: The Original Series. Uh, they're very retro, artistic, very much in the style of what you've been seeing lately uh, in the new posters, like the uh, episodic title posters that have been going around. Uh, it really cool. I'm gonna certainly get my hands on several of them. And unfortunately, they haven't announced when they're coming out in 2016. So if you needed a reason to go to the post office, this is it. 
So did we miss anything this week in Trek? Then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, this is a part of the show where we take you through the big news of the week in Star Trek Online. Actually, it's been pretty quiet over the holidays, so instead, let's look forward to 2016. Basically, we have no idea what's coming up, so Mark, Winters, and I are going to discuss our predictions for the coming year, and you all can listen in and tell us how right you think we are. Or wrong, but obviously we're not going to be wrong, so let's get into it. Mark, why don't you start? So, my guess is, because I totally haven't spent the past couple of days thinking about this, is it would be silly to not to do some sort of 2017 series tie-in, like in the lead-up to it, towards the end of the year. Obviously, we'll get a bit more at Vegas, and I think there'll be something. So, like, they do, they did a giveaway when they announced the show. That sort of thing. Not necessarily anything in-game, but I would say that it'd be a silly PR opportunity to pass up something like that. I'm going to say no. Yeah. Only because they're not going to reveal anything about the TV series until, like, the absolute last minute. Oh, there'll be teasers. There will be teasers. You've got to think that they're going to release stuff at Vegas. Mm Mm-hmm. They have to. You'd think. Well, okay, okay, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I could be convinced. It's the big 50th year. They're going to tease the heck out of that. But we're six months away from beyond, and our teaser trailer is, like, nothing. Not enough to to generate content in a game for you know what I mean this is like I'm going to say think where we'll be six months time mm. we'll be getting the first teaser trailer for that and then maybe not game things I don't necessarily mean things in game like promotions yeah. through the website and things oh, like that oh okay okay yeah when they announced it didn't they do a, like a bundle where it was like the NX and bonus XP and yes yeah you're yeah. right I'd forgotten about that yeah so I would see okay, more things okay, like I'll that. Buy that and I think with the whole temporal anomalies and technology thing with this year being the big 50th you're going to see missions that touch on previous episodes like already said at Captain's Holiday from the last one mm-hmm. it's going to be a year to bring in as many <coughs> characters as possible necessarily or as many sort of beloved stories Yeah. what about you Winters? well I'm just basically going off things that we've got from Al and stuff that was said at the uh, convention last year but I'm betting that Expansion 3 is coming this year. It's going to be Mm. officially announced at Vegas, and it will be released around October of this year. That's my prediction. Oh, I'd put money on that. Cool. Oddly specific, but I like it. Yes, very, very specific. I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about that, and as I said, things that Al Rivera has said and stuff that came from the con, that's what I think is coming. Big news for Star Trek Online this year. Okay, yeah. I could I could believe that. And how do you think that's going to work with the storyline? Because we know, for instance, that the current, what's it called, Future Proof storyline is going to take us through 2016. Do you think that will take us all the way through and go into Expansion 3? Or do you think that's going to be a new thing? Well, if you remember the last interview we actually had with Al, he said that, I think it was this year, or, you know, he basically was saying later on down the road, something's going to happen, and we're going to think back to an episode like Butterfly, or I can't remember what one it was exactly. I think that's probably as far ahead, or where the link is going to be. The expansion is okay. going to be linking as far back to that, which has me thinking about the uh, Sphere Builders. Oh. Now, yes, because they've kind of they kind of came and then mysteriously they just no one ever talked about them again. Yeah, mm. and you know, they've been messing with time as well, so I'm not sure mm. that could be part of this current uh storyline with uh you know, dealing with uh, temporal technology or that could be something that they're going to keep in the bag for expansion 3 and they're going to go really really big with it. Okay. I'll buy it. Have you Kenna? Well, from my prediction, I is kind of similar to what Mark said, but I think we're going to have actual time travel in the main storyline. So we'll be going back and forth in time along our own storyline and not like, you know, mirror universe kind of thing. And I think that we'll hit on all the eras of all the series. So we'll get the original series, Next Generation, DS9, Voyager and Enterprise. 
And I think that would sort of be able to parallel a real life celebration of the last 50 years. And it would be really good, nostalgic, and potentially with the time travel aspect could feel very exploratory. I mean, I know the whole exploration thing isn't in there, but it could feel very exploratory. So that's my prediction is that we're going to hit, we're going to hit it all. And it's going to be like a, like a look back at the last 50 years. And do you think that's going to be like between now and, let's say, Vegas? Or are you talking about like after Vegas and potentially if my prediction comes true, it could be an expansion? Um, I would say probably between now and Vegas. Um, All right. But I'm, I'm unclear in my mind. If, if it happens like you say, and there's an expansion three that happens, that gets announced at Vegas, that probably doesn't happen until October... Um, I'm not clear with how the end of the year will, in my mind, how the end of the year will pan out or whether that whether this arc and all the shenanigans will take us through August or will take us through October. I don't know. Right. We'll wait and see. Mm. But I just think my key point is we're going to hit on all five of the series. Well, that's actually a nice little segue. In addition to our predictions, we're also going to go for the booby prize. So, Winters, Kenna, give us a guess as to one voice actor you think will make it into the game this year, and whoever gets it right will get something. Of course, we haven't quite planned that far ahead yet. Yet. <laughs> if and when it happens, if we'll sort when. something out, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> It'll be fine. Um, I'll go first. I would really like to see somebody from the Enterprise era. Um, I'm not that familiar with it, so... Give me a little bit of a pass, but it's sort of the one that we haven't seen yet, and I'd love to have Scott Bakula because I love him. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very lofty goal. Mm. We can do it. Maybe not. <laughs> what about, what about you, Mark? you, Winters? I would like to see somebody from Deep Space Nine. I think, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stick with DS Nine. I'd like to see more DS Nine stuff coming in. I think that would be pretty cool. Because we've only had... It's only been Nog, actually, hasn't it? Chase. Yeah. Um, we've had a ton of actors from Voyager. Mm. And I think DS9, I'd really love to get some actors from DS9 to come in. So, you know, in my mind, just then, I was thinking, yeah, but you've got, like, you've had, like, Tuvok and Seven of Nine and Harry Kim. And then I'm going, oh, yeah, they're all from Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> my brain has gone addled. Well, before we go into mine, because I actually have picked someone from DS9, is there anyone specifically you would like to see or hear? Oh, um, spot, spot. Yeah, you are putting me on the spot. Quark. I'd love nice. to get Quark in the game. That would that would be brilliant. I'm not even sure I could handle all the hashtag go play a yeah. Oh now. yeah. Oh, that would just be kiss the staff. Uh, go on, Mark. You said you'd chosen somebody, so... Yeah, only because me being Scottish and at a bar, and as Scottish people do, and totally brass-necking it, I went up and spoke to Nicole DeBoer and saying, like, I would love to hear her in the game and, like, sort of resurrect the character of Esri Dax, and she seemed totally up for it. Nice. And she's like, that's amazing. And she's like, oh, I'll need to speak to the people. And I'm kind of going, please, please. <laughs> totally <laughs> didn't just, like on like smoothly like yeah I'll have my people call yeah, your people yeah I'll have your people call your people yeah, yeah I kinda <laughs> thought about thought kinda makes sense we've got the Aventine yeah you know we have that class of ship and they could bring it out with here's Captain Dax and here's the T6 the tier 6 Vesta and la 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 so there's lots of options there nice so that actually brings us to this week's first community question what are your predictions for 2016, and who do you think will be the next voice actor to join Star Trek Online? For anyone who's been following Arden Eisenberg lately, he's had his transplant and is apparently back at home and recovering well. We of course continue to wish him a speedy recovery and all the best. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. The Alachi Cheshire Dreadnought Cruiser R&D promo pack is still on, but it's been running about a month now, so make sure to get in quick before the chance warps away. Q's Winter Wonderland is also still on, but only until noon Pacific time on Friday, January 15th. That means you've only got a few more days to finish your project for the new Tier 6 Breen Rezeth Dreadnought Cruiser. And upcoming on the 14th, it's a Dilithium weekend. As always, these events are subject to change without notice. Be sure to keep an eye on the in-game calendar or keep tuning in to Priority One Podcast for the latest updates. Now let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and find out what's on screen. On screen. 
Hello, Captains! I'm Cookie. And I'm Elijah. And this week we're reviewing The Last Outpost, written by Herbert Wright and Richard Krasemian and directed by Richard Cola. This episode first aired October 19th, 1987. My third cumpleaños! Let's get a quick summary first. The summary is pretty straightforward. As a matter of fact, I'll let Picard explain it. Captain's log, stardate 41386.4. We're in pursuit of a starship of Ferengi design. Our mission is to intercept and recover a T9 energy converter which the Ferengi stole from an unmanned monitor post on Gamma Tauri 4, a theft which automatic scanners recorded, providing us with the long-awaited opportunity to make close contact with a Ferengi vessel. If we succeed in this chase, it will be Starfleet's first look at a life form which, discounting rumor, we know almost nothing about. What the Enterprise doesn't yet realize is that they're about to stumble upon the last remaining outpost of a long-gone civilization, threatening to destroy both the Enterprise and the Ferengi ship. Now, this is the first time the Ferengi make their appearance in the Star Trek universe, although not everyone involved was happy about this initial portrayal. Armin Shimmerman, who you probably know as Quark from DS9, makes his Star Trek debut in this episode. He also appeared later in Haven, Peak Performance, and Firstborn, along with the Voyager episode Caretaker. Armin mentioned that the actors playing the Ferengi were directed to jump up and down like crazed gerbils, and that the cast was unhappy with their idiotic behavior. He also said that one of the reasons he took the role as Quark was to try to undo the damage done to the Ferengi in this episode. Rick Berman ruled them out as any kind of major adversary due to their silliness quotient, and Will Wheaton called them a total joke. The introduction of the Ferengi in this episode has been heavily derided, and several production staff members have called it a disaster. Which is kind of ironic, since Aaron Eisenberg, who played Nog in Deep Space Nine, was provided with a tape of this episode when he auditioned for the role. Fun fact, the Ferengi Marauder shape was inspired by a horseshoe crab on the desk of writer Herb Wright. So, Cookie, what did you think of this episode? Well, this was the first time we saw the Ferengi, and boy, were they unlikable. Everything about them. They were manipulative, backstabbing liars that only cared about themselves and their money, which seemed to cloud their judgment as well. It was especially apparent how unintelligent they were during that last scene when Riker and the Guardian were chatting about deep subjects while the Ferengi were jumping around like mindless frogs. They were even talking about them as if they were not even there, as if they were babies who didn't understand what was being said. They were only picking up on key words and commenting nonsense in return. One of them. Shall I destroy them? Then they would learn nothing. A most interesting conclusion. But what if they never learn, Riker? Is this a test also? In life, one is always tested. I see them much as we were several hundred years ago. But possessing the technology they now have, they're very dangerous. Untrue! We seek friendship with you! But we can hardly hate what we once were. They may grow and learn. And learn ways to destroy you. Well, our values require us to face that possibility. When I first saw this episode, of course, I hated the Ferengi. I mean, what is there to like? Even in later Next Generation episodes, they're completely unlikable, except for in the episode Suspicions, when a Ferengi scientist finally breaks that negative stereotype, and in the battle when the second officer is kind of, he's kind of a good guy. It wasn't until I watched DS9 that I finally realized that they aren't all that bad. I even ended up having a tiny crush on Quark. But at the time that I first saw the episode, I didn't know about any of that, so it was just a normal episode for me with an annoying species, and I didn't really think anything of it. So I don't mind this episode, except for what I know of the Ferengi now. It's kind of ridiculous. But it's definitely not one that I would seek out to watch again, but it was okay. It had some funny moments. There's no doubt that this episode set the tone for the Ferengi, and although later on in the series they were portrayed less primal, a lot of the core characteristics really did stay the same. Their profiteering, their shady business practices, their treatment of females. <laughs> really, the only thing that changed is that they stopped hopping around like little monkeys. Now, as an episode, though, I'm really struggling to take away a key theme or, or an underlying message. Is it tolerance? 
The Enterprise wasn't very tolerant of the Ferengi. On the contrary, the Enterprise was pretty nasty to them from the beginning. The judgment of the Ferengi was already established. They stole the converter, and they're generally regarded as swindlers. But oh crap! We don't know the extent of their technology! They might be able to blow us up, so let's not go in guns blazing. Oh, wait a second. They're stuck like us. Well, frack it. Every man for themselves. Was the moral supposed to be the answer isn't always the most obvious? Sure. That's the case in this episode. Deanna was the first to be like, Uh, guys, uh, instead of bashing the Ferengi, maybe we should uh, focus our attention on the unexplored planet below. Captain... I think you had better see this. What's wrong? Someone is reading every file, every bit of information stored in the Enterprise memory banks. They can do that. And more, perhaps. Captain, if I may recommend, with our attention on the Ferengi vessel, we have ignored the planet. Maybe, maybe the theme was supposed to be you can always trust the tall white guy. I mean, I think they when when Riker and the Guardian were talking, I think there was supposed to be some kind of deep moral thing, but I didn't really think it was all that profound. There was nothing profound in that conversation. They were just bash talking the Ferengi the whole time. I know they were. Like that's all they were doing. <laughs> they were they were criticizing. I think they were going for something profound, but I don't think it came no, really no. came across. I thought it was cute at the very end though when when. Dr. Crusher reaches over to Jean, and I think she's supposed to be taking his pulse, or she's just touching his face to see if he's alive. I don't know what that I was. took your pulse. I think so. I don't know. The, the, also, the highlight of this episode for me was also when he goes, Nierd. Because, you know, it's what? okay to curse in French on American television. When did he say that? I forget what, where. I, Is that your favorite quote? No, it's not my favorite quote. <laughs> One of them, though. What's your favorite quote? Uh... The, the part where Data is, like, struggling with his um, Chinese handcuffs. <laughs> and the captain's like, what are you doing? And then he's like, I'm stuck. And then Captain Picard's like, then get unstuck and continue with the briefing. That whole, all of that dialogue was so funny. Data, what are you doing? Apologies, Captain. I seem to have reached an odd functional impasse. I am, uh, stuck. Then get unstuck and continue with the briefing. Yes, sir. That is what I'm trying to do, sir, but the solution eludes me. My hero. (laughs) So I don't have any particular line. I mean, I do like the fact that Jean-Luc cursed in French because he doesn't seem like a Frenchman. But Jordy was particularly sassy in this episode. Sensors record fluctuations in the energy readings from a captain. Possibility. A malfunction in their engines, sir. Breaks my heart. In visual range, Captain. Fully enlarged. Hello, stranger. I mean, he was just so animated and very, like, like he wasn't working. He was chilling with friends and making sassy comments. So that brings us to our community questions. How do you feel about the way the Ferengi were represented in this episode? And what do you think the moral of the story was? Well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review of Star Trek The Next Generation, The Last Outpost. Now, let's visit the promenade and find out what goodies are worth buying with Jake. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jake Cobb, and this is The Promenade. We here at Priority One sincerely hope you had a great winter celebration, regardless of how you celebrated. As for me, I ate, drank, and lived merry. Now my waistline is paying the price in spades. So this month on the Promenade, we'll have a look at the Trek products that will get you back into pre-season three Kirk shape. Let's put down those bonbons, tighten up our laces, and hit the ground running. You want to get back to your Starfleet Academy weight and figure running is a good choice. I happen to agree with you. But when you go to the gym, you want to look good. May I suggest the Star Trek Cadet Runner shirt by Brainstorm Gear. This 100% polyester lightweight running shirt comes in four look-at-me colors. Blue, orange, green, and gold. And features moisture-wicking fabric. 
In the center is a large Starfleet Delta constructed from the images of phasers, communicators, tricorders, starbursts, and of course, starships. If you haven't experienced the moisture wicking fabric, it's a very lightweight, breathable material more appropriate in warm weather conditions or in a gym. Depending on what you prefer, it can hang loose or hug the body tightly, just order size appropriately. Speaking of sizing, there seems to be some issue among reviewers on the matter. Some stating they are too big, while others state it was smaller than advertised. Be aware of this and check the return policy of the site before ordering. The running shirts come in men's and women's sizes small to 2XL and can be purchased from Amazon.com, shop.startrek.com, thinkgeek.com, or direct from Brainstorm Gear. Prices range from $19.97 US to $34.95 US, and size availability varies depending on the site ordered. Whether you're running, playing tennis, or defending your shipmate's honor in a game of Parisi Squares, you'll need to get your gear to your destination. The Star Trek Store-exclusive Starfleet Academy Overnight Bag is the most stylish way to do it. The blue and white bag features a Property of Starfleet Academy stamp on the side, in white, and resembles college athletic apparel. Sadly, details were very light and dimensions are not listed, but most reviewers agree it is an adequate size for a two-night stay. Kumite-style Sunkatsi red match tournament, anyone? The bag received a solid 4.4 out of 5 stars on only 9 reviews from shop.startrek.com, the only site this exclusive is currently listed, and sells for $35.95 US. An inquiry regarding dimensions and material construction was sent to the Star Trek store, and as of this recording, no adequate reply had been received. Updates will be posted as soon as they become available to us. You did it. You took the bull by the horns and you finished your first day of physique sculpting. Whether it was walking, running, calisthenics, weights, sports, or something completely different, a step was taken in the right direction. You need recognition. You need adoration. You need to clean up. But that's okay. Even though we don't have a proper refresher here in the 21st century, we do have a Star Trek TNG shower curtain. This 100% polyester, officially licensed shower curtain measures in at 71 by 71 inches and is machine washable, line dryable. When fully stretched, the curtain looks like a TNG-era Federation transporter pad. It appears you may be getting some company, or maybe some more soap, as the transporter has two active pads, so be ready. This beautiful piece of bathroom art is listed between $24.99 US and $34.95 US at several sites, including Amazon.com, ShopStarTrek.com, ThinkGeek.com, Walmart.com, and Shop.com, among others. If you're less away team and more research and design, there are options. ThinkGeek.com has just released a brand new Star Trek TNG Enterprise blueprint shower curtain featuring an L-Cars-style blueprint of the Galaxy-class Enterprise-D. This is not an MSD, but it is a butte and has the same dimensions, construction, and same great price as the transporter pad. Finally, if you really like these curtains, but you have a little extra money burning a hole in your pocket, ThinkGeek.com has an exclusive TOS version with an included transporter room bath rug. The curtain measures at 72 inches by 72 inches and the bath mat at 26 inches in diameter. As mentioned, this is a ThinkGeek.com exclusive, but it has found its way on Amazon as well. And you can get it for $49.99 US. So there it is. You're on your way to a Season 1 Riker Physique. Congratulations! But seriously, thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts or suggestions on the segment, as well as your thoughts on any of the items featured. So let us know on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. Remember, you keep an eye on the stars, we'll keep an eye on the market. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's income. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last year's community question was from our Trek It Out segment. What's your favorite moment from a Star Trek film? And why? Small Yoda posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Great show as always. My favorite film is First Contact, especially near the end when Data fires quantum torpedoes at the Phoenix. It looks to be the end until the torpedo narrowly misses and Data ruptures the plasma coolant tank. I also like the film because it gives us a look at a point in our near future that we might actually be alive to see happen. But you do know, Small Yoda, that it is fiction, yeah, the, right? Yeah, hopefully the Borg are not actually coming in. Yeah. What? But what if, we're, you know, we're, we're going to... 
At some point, April 5th, 20... What is it, 2065? Is it when, when do we have to name a child Zephram Cochran in order to make that timeline oh, yeah, happen? That's a good... Oh, good point. Like, is it coming good up point. soon? Mm. No, so first contact day... Let me. I'm looking it up right now as we speak. First contact day is April 5th, 2063. Okay. It is and he's like in his 60s, isn't he? No, mm-hmm. I would 50s? put him at So 50s. it's around now. So anybody out there, if you're having kids right now, get naming Zephram Cochran. That's a good Don't their last name already have to wow. be Cochran, though? And is the Scottish yeah, Not necessarily. Name? No, I think you can, they can just name your kid anything, can't mm. you? <laughs> I guess you could give it a different last yeah. name. Okay, we're, we're, cha- we're putting it out there for all Star we're Trek fans. We're counting on yeah. you. <laughs> we're counting on you. There's <laughs> all of a sudden, there's going to be some, some article about suddenly... <laughs> The entire world has begun naming their children Zephram Cochran. <laughs> Marquis commented via prayer to winpodcast.com. My all-time favourite quote comes from Star Trek 3. My God, ones. What have I done? What you had to do. What you always do. Turn death into a fighting chance to live. Those lines have, and still do, motivate me to give that extra push when everything looks dark and grim. Gavin Runeblade commented, also via PriorityOnePodcast.com, I love the Khan scream. While Quinta did a pretty good rendition of it, Shatner looked like he was about to have a hate-induced embolism. Plus, it's so fun to quote. Honorable mention goes to Scotty's trying to use a computer and his solution to the temporal paradox. How do we know he didn't invent it in the first Josh place? Josh Truex commented on our Facebook post for this episode, Regarding Code of Honor, between this episode's Misbegotten Aliens of the Week and the Ferengi a few episodes later, Roddenberry and his writers sure had awful luck getting their original conceptions of alien cultures to translate well from screenplay to, well, screen early in season one. Remember, the Ferengi were originally meant to be the show's big bad in place of the Klingons and Romulans. Well, we know that didn't work out. We actually do. I mean, we just reviewed yeah. the last outpost, and it's a good thing they weren't because that would have been that would have made for terrible television. And I, you know, every series has. All right, let me not say every, but most series take some time to find their footing, um, and I think that with the next generation, there was so much pressure to continue or if not emulate the original series that something what something had to give you know and, and we got episodes like code of honor um the naked now and the last outpost james steins commented on facebook started listening at 251 pretty good so far i like your rundowns of the past episodes awesome new Woo-hoo! listener Woo! Woo! Welcome to the Christmas. 251 episodes and still getting new listeners. All right. Thanks, James. And finally, Sean Newboy posted on our year-end blooper special at PriorityOnePodcast.com. A truly wonderful collection of outtakes. Happy New Year, everyone. And I don't know how you could, but may the next year be even better. Thank you, Sean. You're my boy, Blue. Been listening from the start. Thank you so much, Sean Newboy. Yes, that's right. Thank you, everybody. We love hearing from you. So leave us a voicemail by clicking on the SpeakPipe widget on our homepage. And that's in addition to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, our Twitter page at Priority One Pod. And of course, you can always leave us a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 253 of Priority One Podcast. We'd like to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Isaiah Dorsch, Navy Boat Slew, Stephen Humphrey, and, more recently, Rarva. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. First, what are your predictions for Star Trek Online in 2016, and who do you think will be the next voice actor to join the game? Also, how do you feel about the way the Ferengi were represented in The Last Outpost, and what do you think the moral of that story was? Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our website. 
You can also leave a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast, one the word, or share 120 characters with us on Twitter via at priority one pod, one the word. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage at priority one podcast.com. Again, one the word. Be sure not to miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priority1podcast.com. That's one the word. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show. Now that we're covering all things Star Trek, be sure to retweet and share our posts. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at Towery Designs. That's T-O-W-R-Y designs Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To the writer of our prelude dramas, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael Winters McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria De Post, and James Calvin. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. I love the post office. I did. I used to lie. <laughs> I used to absolutely. I have nothing. How am I going to follow that up with? No, I, ab- I used to absolutely. Me too. <laughs> I could still, I could still actually picture the post office in the town where I went to university. And I used to love going there. It was just, I don't know. It's just, I love mail it and was, stuff. It was mysterious. And you never knew what was going on behind those walls. How did they sort all the mail? Was there a machine? Was it a person? Were there many? Who was it magic? No one knows. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So that actually brings us to this week's first community question. In fact, it's the only community question. No, it's the first one. Shoot. Okay. <laughs> Let's do that again. Boop, boop. <laughs> I don't like the first. So it's hard because you have to know. It's like plan and stuff. Right. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online News, here's... <laughs> That's going to be a thing for this year, isn't it? Um, Last year yeah. it was pineapples. This year it's... Last year it was dilithium. Manamana. Manamana. <laughs> I think this year is going to be a dilithium, dilithium year as well. We can bring it yeah. back every now and again. Yeah. And this week we're reviewing The Last Outpost, written by Herbert Wright and Richard Krizenzerman. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so what's the final verdict on that? I'd say Kzemian. What? <laughs> Can you say this part, please? Just no, do this. Kze- Can you just do this? 
No, no, Zem I'd say Zemian. Just say Zemian. Rick, because I like how you spelled it out for yourself. Yeah. Because <laughs> you needed that too, didn't you? No. Rick Berman ruled them out as any kind of major adversary. Rick Berman ruled them out as any kind of major adversary due that to their not silliness. What I didn't put that there. We'd like to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters. 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 Our Patreon supporters. <laughs> He's bringing back the transatlantic accent. <laughs> you know it. Well, that wraps up episode 253 of Priority One Podcast. We'd like to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We should, do we should just train ourselves to do the whole show like that. Can we? Yes, please. Let's do one show, like a musical show, except with transatlantic accent. <laughs> God, I'm going to have to work on that. <laughs> I wonder, how, how would you say Ferengi? How would you feel about the way the Ferengi? <laughs> Ferengi? Yeah. In the cool. last outpost. Human. Female. <laughs> that's the Ferengi with a transatlantic accent. <laughs> and if you're listening to us by... <laughs> Dude, I can't keep a straight face. I've got to redo that whole thing. No, no, that was good. That was, I was good. I was trying to take the... That no, was pretty good. Really... That was, that no, was really sorry, good. Sorry, go on to the next paragraph. Okay. Don't forget to tune into Priority One, the word productions... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast. Frequency At Guard Frequency. <laughs> oh man. Uh, gold. <laughs> Not now, Beverly. <laughs> Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency. <laughs> Frack. <laughs>